Rich Curran has met the girl of his dreams. Great sex is when you love someone so much, it's like you're addicted to the strongest drug in the world. But beyond the beauty... There's this party tonight. Sweet 16? Does this look like the body of a 16-year-old? Beyond the sex... Do you know the Heimlich maneuver by any chance? Because if they keep doing that, one of them is definitely going to choke. Beyond the money... I couldn't bear the thought of losing you. Is a temptation he can't resist. Have you ever just wanted to kill somebody? I mean, really kill them. If they find that he was murdered, they could tie up the inheritance forever. Even if they don't catch us, do you understand that? Now he's falling deeper and deeper into a world he can't escape. There's a bomb in his bike. I'll be over tomorrow. Where were you between 8 p.m. And 11 p.m., the night that Darla Hawks was murdered. Trust me, Rich, this will all work out just like you said it would. Do you really want to do some serious time for this girl? No, I'm going to stay in here and burn while you walk away with all the money, okay? Why, you think I planned it this way? Doesn't have to be like this, you know. Come on, Rich, we, we can still do this. We could have everything. Corey Feldman, Nicole Eggert, Corey Haim. You know, Megan, I, I thought I met this girl we had something special. You don't know anything, do you? Blown away. Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Day Main Network. If you find more from us, check out the website at themaindayme.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the Main Day Me. We are also now a proud member of Geek Fives Nation. You can find them at gbnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio. With me, as always, is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey there, guys. I don't know what I was going to say there. Hi. Sorry about that. Would uh, Nicole Eggert's character in this movie be classed as a horse girl, Aunt? I guess so. I mean, she didn't look very good at doing it, though. But she's insane, so that that definitely tracks. <laughs> horse girls are crazy. Yes. <laughs> you, yeah. I knew I knew I'd be talking to the experts here, so I thought I'd ask that question to open yeah. the show. When I worked at Rick's, this is a little behind behind the podcasters. That was the first thing they told me day one was. One thing you got to know about horse people, they're all insane. Yeah. When I went to school, I, I was surrounded by horse girls, and yeah, they were all uh, they were all mean sons of bitches. <laughs> they were really mean. I, I actually went to school with Brian Cashman's niece, and like, so th- that's like the double decker, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where she's a horse girl, and she's insanely rich. Yeah. And she was insufferable. <laughs> uh before we get into the horse girl movie we watched this week gentlemen what have you watched i actually didn't watch anything this week this week was just a very busy busy time for me i, I was not really home uh so i i kind of slacked unfortunately i'm sorry i know it's not interesting okay what about you mark well uh after last week's episode um i decided to check out the uh harley quinn uh tv show for myself and uh, I don't know why you guys never really praised it or anything. Um, it's a really good show. Everybody should watch it out there. 
You bastard. You, you, you were so close to getting me in, in our group chat. I was like, I know we've definitely talked about this. And then as soon as, Anthony, you mentioned, is that a Marvel thing? I'm like, you know, these fucking guys. <laughs> but seriously, back, back on topic with it. It's been a while since I watched any kind of show or anything where I was I was literally laughing out loud during it. Like, and it wasn't even like the big jokes. Like, I really enjoyed the end of the first episode with the stupid conversation about Thai food, mm-hmm. where essentially the whole text people your order. I feel like it's a situation we've all been in before, right? And just the way they nailed that conversation despite it being two super villains, essentially, having that discussion. Uh, you kind of undersold Bane. I love Bane. <laughs> the trivia night thing in the in the beginning, the reason why he blows up Gotham Stadium is just amazing. <laughs> yeah, just the whole way the characters are written, the, the relationships are, despite what they're portraying as characters, everything is very, like, as realistic as you can be with the absurd around it. Sure. The King Shark stuff is great. It's just really well done. I hope it doesn't fall off in season two or something like that. It's really well done. I'm glad. I'm going to watch through the whole thing. Glad I decided to. And then a lot of people have been talking to me about Titans. So maybe I'll check that out before the... Maybe I'll keep HBO Max for another month now that I found stuff to watch on it. But yeah, that's about all I've been watching. Really glad I did. I binged the first five episodes in one night through there. So looking forward to getting back into it. Great. As for me, I just watched one thing this week. We watched through The White Lotus, which is the short series on HBO. And it's great. Everyone's a piece of shit. (laughs) If you don't know what this show's about, it's a whole bunch of people go to this Hawaiian resort. They're all very rich. And it's a week in their, basically, their uh, vacations there. It's got great cast. Connie Britton's in it. Steve Zahn. They play a couple alexander daddario is in it who we stan and she's like a newlywed on a honeymoon molly shannon has a cameo in there very short jennifer coolidge is in it we're a really good cast and everyone's shitty it's written by mike white who wrote 20 years ago he wrote orange county as well as a bunch of other things at this point he's also the roommate slash ned schneebly from school of rock the one that uh, yeah. Black impersonates, that's Mike White. And he wrote and directed this whole show. Really good. If you just like watching rich people be shitty, it's a good watch. It's funny. It's absurd. And they're all just awful people. That's, that's, but that's what we watched this week. Oh, there is what one is other thing that? I watched. Good. Uh, real quick, what service is that on? HBO Max. So it's an HBO yeah. show. Okay. It aired on HBO. Gotcha. So you can find it on HBO Max. The only other thing I watched is a shitty horror movie. And I want to I want to shout out the podcast Halloween is forever podcast who they started. They did an episode where they talked about the movie Head of the Family. And it's a really terrible mid 90s straight to video horror movie from Full Moon Features. And I never seen it before, but it's on Tubi and I wanted to watch it. And it's terrible. It's it's borderline softcore pornography. So I guess I watched borderline softcore pornography twice this week. <laughs> um, and but it's got some pretty good like visual effects of this. Basically, it's, I guess it's like a 
an incest family or just a like backwoods family, but they're being mind controlled by the one brother, I suppose, who is basically a giant head in a wheelchair. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> they did a whole episode on it. Uh, it. Check it out. Halloween is forever. Steve from Hop Nation USA, who we've had on this podcast for Cool World, he's on that podcast about, along with a couple of other people. Really good show. Not unlike minded of this show here. They usually do a few episodes. Uh, they do one major episode per month where they kind of pit three movies against each other, and then throughout the rest of the month, they usually talk about a movie here or there. And this week or last week was head of the family. It's a weird one. It's kind of from the same company that did like Ginger Dead Man oh, and okay. Uncle Sam, I think. And um, what's the other one? Jack Frost, that horror movie. So, oh, with Michael Keaton. The Yes, that horror movie. The, one <laughs> the wife finally kills her deadbeat husband and he comes back and haunts her as a snowman. Exactly the same movie. Yeah, that was the point of the, the Michael Keaton, uh, Jack Frost, right? I think so. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I remember correctly. Yeah, pretty sure I'm not uh, crossing any wires on that one. That's all I watched nope. this week. So we are going to take a quick break so you could listen to some ads and help us pay some bills. And we'll be right back. And welcome back. It's now time to get into this week's movie. And this week was Mark's pick. So, Mark, why don't you tell us which movie you picked for us this week? Yeah, so uh, this movie behind the scenes is that ant asks us to make a list of a bunch of movies we'd want to watch for this show podcast just so we weren't rushing four days before podcast recording to have a movie so this one was first on my list um because it was one of the worst movies i watched for an old series i did for when i did a blog before even the main damey existed was called 365 days of netflix where i was going to try and watch one movie from netflix each day and this was one of them, and it was one of my lowest rated ones. So I chose Blown Away from 1992 slash 3, um, not the uh, Jeff Bridges, Tommy Lee Jones uh, movie, which is much better, which I believe is about the IRA, that stars the Corys and Nicole Eggert. Um, so there were two things from my old review. Um, one, I'm not 100% confident as I was back then on it, but I had said that it was a shame that... Uh, uh, Corey Haim got, you know, um, so addicted to drugs and had the drug problem because he had glimmers of talent as an actor, unlike Corey Feldman, who had none. So I don't know if I feel as strongly as that statement anymore after rewatching this movie. Um, um, let's say you don't feel strongly about Corey Haim being the better actor. You still feel strongly that it is a shame that he was yeah. addicted to drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yes, yeah, so, so, the I don't believe there is as much of a gap. Uh yeah, that could have came off real bad. Um so <laughs> Yeah, so more so the gap in acting talent between Corey Haim and Corey Feldman wasn't as big as I alluded to in that um review. Um so I uh, still think he is the better of the two Corys in terms of acting, but it's not this wide gulf between them um and the second thing from my article is i love um my little uh, wink nod with my score um i gave it a two out of ten um essentially just for nicole eggert's boobs because <laughs> they were the only good Damn. part of the movie <laughs> this was pre me too mark <laughs> yeah. 
I couldn't get over the fact that in the movie she's 17 and just, I I didn't want to watch yeah. it anymore. I she right. wasn't she wasn't in real life. No, no, no. She was in she the was movie. 20. Yeah. yeah, not great. Why why yeah. she couldn't have been home from college and make it less creepy? Less creepy <laughs> I don't know, but uh, that's what they did. That's what they chose to do. <laughs> well, like you said, uh, pre me too. Yeah. Yeah everything about this is definitely pre that movement <laughs> dan what about you where are you coming from with blown away oh well it 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 blew me away for sure um it, this movie starts off with a fucking bang and <laughs> i forgot about that yeah i just i was like in my mind if you're the director and you see this is your first scene of the movie how do you not realize you just created the worst movie of all time <laughs> Like at that point, you should just really give up and be like, uh, it's all downhill from here, really. Uh, I feel pretty awful for uh, Nicole Eggert because she she might as well have just done this movie naked, the entire movie naked. Mm-hmm. She spends more time nude than in, than clothed, I think, yeah. and just a lot of unnecessary sex scenes. I never thought I'd say that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, to me, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman are kind of on the same level in this movie. Just really over the top, hammy, and Feldman maybe edges him out a little bit. And uh, were these guys contractually obligated to star in movies together? If there was I mean, one Corey, you had to have the other Corey. They had their own movies, like separate. I mean, Corey Feldman, obviously, he was in he was in The Burbs. Uh, he was in, he started off as one of the Friday the 13th sequels was one of his early movies, and obviously the Goonies and Haim had his own. He went, Corey Haim wound up in three movies with Nicole Eggert. Uh, I think they, they were engaged at some point. Um, they're both from, uh, they're both from Canada. I believe. Yeah. I believe this yeah, movie was that. shot in Canada. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. That really obnoxious Toronto Blue Jays hat is really distracting that one yeah. scene. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think... <sighs> I didn't know what to really make of this movie. Like, was this supposed to be... Was this released in theaters? No, direct the video. Okay, yeah, then that makes total sense because it, it felt like it was a direct-to-video, but I thought, well, you know, it's got the Corys in it. I'm assuming this had a, a theatrical release, but yeah, holy shit, this movie. They just... The, the director forgot that Movies are supposed to have a plot, I think. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there is a plot, but it doesn't kick off until 40 minutes into the movie. It, it just rambles on, and it, it's really just uh, dialogue, dialogue, more fucking. And it's just like, why didn't you just shoot a porn, man? I, that's really what you wanted. Why didn't you just go full-blown? Yeah, this is... It's hard not to talk about this. It's hard to talk about this movie without talking about just how much fucking is in this movie. <laughs> and, and graphic. I mean, obviously, it's not, it's not, there's not penetration or anything like that, but it's, it's full on. They don't shy away from showing the fucking, you know? Oh, yeah. There's, it's sweaty. It's, it's constant. <laughs> There's a one there's one scene one of their scenes where they're silhouetted by the black or like by the blue uh backdrop mm-hmm. and immediately what I thought of was the scene in 
Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the Dennis system. <laughs> Take my breath away. Sure. <laughs> I was I was hoping for that mic drop. Just do, 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 And they just slowly kind of go in, on their backs. No, no, but that didn't happen. But they, they tried to make it very tasteful. And it's, again, she's 17 in the movie. So I couldn't. I just I couldn't really get into it. Like I I, I really wish they had added a couple of years here. Yeah, that is one thing. Everybody everybody just seems super young for this movie. Mm-hmm. Like so, this is kind of like a low budget direct to video kind of answer to like Basic Instinct, right? It's kind of like yeah. all the rage yeah. during the early '90s, all these erotic thrillers, and everybody just seems too young for it. Like everyone just seems like a kid. Obviously, Nicole Eggert is supposed to be a kid. She's supposed to be 17 years old. But even like you see Corey Haim with his shirt off, and it's like, you're just a little boy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you you're not even old enough to have like hair on your chest yet, man. This this movie is too adult for you. They're drinking beers. They're drinking beers. I think they're supposed to be in college. Or yeah. well, he says that he's trying to uh He's trying to save up to go to college. So he's probably in that 20 to 21 range. I don't even know what the drinking age in 1993 in Canada was. So that's a good point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's this movie is built around Nicole Eggert being naked for most of it. And it's hard yeah. not to talk about that. I know. I mean, she's a knockout, you know, but it does. It also hurts to talk about that because she's supposed to be seventeen in the movie, but she's she's not seventeen in real life in that movie. In that, and also real quick, two movies in a row where the male lead is a complete shithead. Yes, to another girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I was thinking that too. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think they were trying to go for like as you said the basic instinct stuff where Nicole Eger was mostly like supposed to be like a femme fatale sort of. Mm-hmm. But she never really got to that point, either through writing or her acting, you know, essentially. They, they really slow play it in the beginning and then they rush it at the yeah. end. Yeah. Is, is really what the problem is. It's the first the the first part of this movie is really plotting. And yeah, I don't we never really un- understand why she killed her mom. Yeah, the, we don't we know nothing about the mother. Yeah. And she's got an endless supply of these bombs that. <laughs> she's really good at making them too they're very she sophisticated the, uh, looking yeah she got a copy of the anarchist cookbook and <laughs> right <laughs> right uh yeah put it to good use i i think like the the writing is definitely a huge problem in this movie i just one scene made me laugh out loud where again they've just finished you know doing it and Corey Haim is, it looks like he's nodding off. And then Nicole Eggert just mentions, I put a bomb in my dad's bike. It'll be all over tomorrow. Uh, that's not normal after sex talk, I think. Uh, as far as I know. Yeah, don't. But don't don't take man. <laughs> but it's just, like, whatever. I mean, they also talk about, like, what was the worst day of your life? Oh, my dog died. Guys. Can't you give it kind of cuddle? Even that had a twist to it. Yeah, my mom dies when on my birthday. No, no, he says my dog died. Oh, why is that terrible? And all my brother killed him. Corey, Corey, to death. Yeah. By the way, you guys know I'm a big dog dog person. If my sibling 
killed my dog, I would have been arrested for murdering my my <laughs> sibling for yeah. sure. He should have known that she was trouble when she laughed when he said that. Like, mm. yeah, it, I had written down this movie is don't stick your dick in crazy on film. Mm-hmm. This is a PSA for that. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, dude. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I I think. You know, you they have their 24-hour sex marathon, and you would think that's enough, all right? Just, you got all the crazy out of you. In his in his defense, she slow plays the crazy. You know, she does kind of, ramp it up. It's kind of like Scientology, how they don't really give you the crazy all up front. <laughs> they give you what you want up front, and then, then right. like, like you... They slow play it and they kind of, you know, micro transaction you. So while you want yeah, to you. Yeah, wind up giving you a whole, you're spending a whole lot of money. And then you're in too deep at that point. And you're like, oh, shit. Now we're talking <laughs> about aliens and shit like that. Now I'm kind of stuck. I'm going to just I'm gonna see this through to the end. And that's kind of what Corey Aim does in this movie. He's like, yeah, this fucking's pretty great. And she's super hot. And I'm just going to keep fucking and then she's going to disappear on me for like a day and then she'll be back and then we'll be fucking again and but then and then i don't i don't know how much time passes in this but maybe it feels like, like maybe a, a month or so i don't know um but then he's just like well i'm now i'm addicted to to fucking her mm-hmm. specifically so now i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i can to keep that fucking right yeah i i get it listen it happens to the best of us, right? You you get that one one person who, no matter who it is, that one person, and like the sex is great, and you're you, it clouds your judgment. I think Corey Feldman even says you're thinking with the wrong brain, like your your brain went down south. Yeah, so, John John Mayer would say that Nicole Eggert is sexual napalm in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she knows how to use what she's got. Yeah, and even the cop wants to bang her, and it's really super creepy. Yeah, I mean, I think he was just trying to get Corey Haim's goat at that point. He's trying to... Yeah, I think there's some truth in there, though. I mean, yeah, probably. That guy, yeah, he wasn't going to say no if she offered. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I didn't know where this was going because it, it immediately I thought, okay, well, she's she's a psycho killer. Uh, but then they kind of throw in that, oh, maybe she's being abused at home, so... Maybe, you know, she's just trying to get back at her dad. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of circles back around like, yeah, she's just crazy. There was a moment I thought that he was, it was going to come out that he was sexually assaulting her. He was exactly. molesting her. Especially, All signs pointed to that. Especially in the beginning when he comes home the first time and he, you know, he goes out on the porch, doesn't find Corey Aim, and he's like, what are we going to do with you? What am I going to do with you? And he grabs her lapels of her of her pajama top and just like a little bit, a little bit of uh, signifying that, but it never pays off. It never comes yeah. up. I think I swear at one point, did you watch this twice, Ant? So I don't know if I did. This. Okay. Um, the one time when uh, I think she comes down to meet Corey Aim at the door and the dad's there, when he says, well, I'm going to go by, I swear he, like, slaps her ass on the way out. Uh, like, I think the dad. Might. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, like, leading into that. my thought. The same thought you were having. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, I that was going to turn out that he was abusing her. Yeah. But he doesn't. As as far as we know, he's a normal dad that his wife yeah. blew up. <laughs> now he's a single dad, and he's trying to figure out how to how to deal with... I mean, because he's, like, he doesn't care that she threw a party in the the house is a wreck in the beginning. He just doesn't want her. He cares. Yeah, he just cares that his bed's not made. Yeah, 
he just doesn't want her to get pregnant at 17, which I get. Yeah, that's most and, caring fathers. And he doesn't want her getting pregnant with some like uh, towny towny baby like Corey Haim would give her. I I I can see that. I, I'd be upset by that if my daughter was going through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you. I realized what kind of movie I was in for when first time Corey Haim and uh, Nicole Eggert get it on, and the music is very uh, dour. It's not uplifting. It's it's like really heavy sounding. Mm-hmm. Like most of the time, sex scenes have like a you know really corny soundtrack. This sounds like someone's about to get their head ripped off. Yeah, that lethal weapon type sax saxophone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like the sad fucking. Yeah. But um, this one it it was kind of yeah it was just very heavy and never a good sign for your movie when your two protagonists feel like they're about to be you know like stabbed from underneath the bed <laughs> so blown away from 1993 is directed by brenton spencer who did not direct anything of any interest he's director and director for of photography of a lot of syndicate syndicated television stars Corey Haim, nicole eggert Corey feldman jean leclerc kathleen robertson gary farmer jason hopley has an IMDb score of 5.1, a Rotten Tomato score of 35% audience. There was no critic score. And I don't have any budget info or uh, box office because it went direct to video. Is there a second Nicole Eggert movie? The first one being Amanda and the Alien. How old was she and, in that movie? Uh, a couple years later. So I think that was 96. So she would have been like 24. Okay. If I remember correctly, she gets naked in that too. Really? In... And uh, what what was it? It was uh, Amanda and the Alien. Man, oh, I'm thinking of Mac and Me. Why was she? Why was she making Mac and Me? <laughs> when Mac Completely just different. rails her in the McDonald's play place <laughs> during yeah. the dance scene. <laughs> I was I was trying to think what would the equivalent. Um, I don't even know if there's like a recent equivalent um, of Nicole Eggert starring in this movie after Charles in Charge. Mm-hmm. Like, would that be like Lacey Chaubert ending up in a movie like this after Party of Five? You I know? Mean, yeah, maybe. Or like DJ Tanner. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Or like the Panga. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was like one of those where it was just like, there's not enough family television. They, the most recent one I could think of is maybe one of the girls from Modern Family. But sure. but, but like, that was like, yeah, yeah there's no, really there's no... hot. Yeah, there's no like, I guess whatever is on Nickelodeon, you know, of uh, yeah, who's yeah, who's uh, iCarly. For some reason, it just seems yeah, it just seems creepy to do like actual television directed towards children in terms of Nick and Disney rather than like a broadcast thing, even though it's probably the same thing. Sure, but it just I, feels weird because of the channel connotation. Yeah. But this is, there's just no there's no equivalent of what Charles in Charge was, yeah. which was a family yeah. family friendly sitcom on network television, which doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I guess, but yeah, but that was my when I was looking through the IMDb, I'm like, is there an equivalent? I guess, I guess theoretically, the closest person that's done it recently would be Miley Cyrus. Um, true. It, uh, but yeah, it was just, it's just a phenomenon outside of the whole, you know you know, Me Too and stuff like that in terms of gratuitous nudity not being as in fashion as it was back then. Sure. Um, there's, I don't think you would get into a situation like this anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that was the heyday for it because it's her and Alyssa Milano, you know, sure. around the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she's great too. She's good, to, fun to look at. She's like if Christy Swanson didn't become like a MAGA chud 
like she did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good for you, Nicole, not being a MAGA chud. <laughs> I was hoping this movie would, we were talking about it prior to recording. I was hoping this movie would have a little bit more to do with the, the ski lodge. <laughs> yeah. uh, they they mention it early on. We go, you know, we're, we're, I'm closing down the ski, the, the, the lifts for the year. But man, I would have loved to have seen like a murder mystery in, in the ski lodge or something like that, you know? Like, yeah. at least maybe they're doing it on the lift. Just something. <laughs> yeah. Creative. It's all, it's like, it's like in the bed or in the shower. Like, oh, come they, on. They did, try to, they did try to do it in a police interrogation room. I oh, thought yeah. it was going to happen. <laughs> she, I, she says, I, I want to feel you inside me. I was like, yeah, they're really going to do it in an interrogation room? I was taken aback when she said that. <laughs> I would yeah. feel you inside. Jesus, woman. <laughs> I was fast forwarding at that point. And I heard her say something inside me. I'm like, oh, back up. <laughs> back it up. Also, I was just like, come on. This this place, is this room is bugged. Why wouldn't it be in real life? Right. There's got to be, right? I would assume every place in a police station has listening equipment. And she's just... At least a camera. Yeah. Yeah. Can't trust those and, pigs. And then you figure this is where the, the detective's going to come in and then uh, things are going to get really crazy. I got it all on tape. And then he winds up on a, on the ski lift with his head sawn off. Yeah, it's just like his tongue is stuck to the uh, the, the rail, but his head mm-hmm. is, he's decapitated. Yep. <laughs> I would, I would uh, yeah, just go full-blown horror movie, you know? Yeah. Why not? And just, what a crazy, crazy trajectory for Corey Haim, right? Because he's in The Lost Boys, which is like a cult classic. Everyone <laughs> loves The Lost Boys. And then there's fucking this. Yeah, it's so weird. I would love to see, like, I wonder what their agents were. I mean, their their agents were probably on cocaine, but it was just like, it's like, what, you know what, you know what genre we haven't stuck the Corys in yet? A Skinamax film. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> to see the, yeah, the yeah. boys are really finally becoming men. Just fucking <laughs> yeah. all the time. It is, it is amazing, because he, he goes from Lucas to Lost Boys, and it's like, it's, it's, the de- it's a steady drop. You know, and it's yeah. License to Drive, Dream a Little Dream, you know, a bunch of other movies <laughs> I haven't heard of. And then this, uh, well, he does the double O kid with Nicole Eggert first mm-hmm. um, and then blown away. And then, you know, then it's when the drugs really start to hit. <laughs> what what was the movie? Uh, first Drive or Last Drive? License to Drive. License to Drive. I, that movie was at least fun because I've seen yeah. that. And, you know, it, it's your like your regular teen comedy at that time yeah dream a little dreams where it falls off for them this movie just holy shit man this was i don't think anyone had a direction you know the the director didn't know what he wanted to make Mm -hmm. that's how it seems at least i have no like i don't know what the hell he was thinking here (laughs) uh you guys want to get into the plot yeah do it all right dan what do you got for us I'll just give a quick shout out to our friends Tia and Brittany, who have their own podcast, The Top Ten with Tia. It's a weekly podcast where Tia and Brittany run down top ten lists, TV, movies, other good stuff, video games. Go check them out at Geek Vibes Nation, gvnation.com, and you could follow Tia at TC underscore Stark. Okay, great. And we are going to take a quick break while you guys listen to some messages from friends of the podcast, and we will be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parley Hour podcast. 
every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoGuroParlayHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more Or you epic. could tell him about the time I kicked her ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into the plot for Blown Away. We open on a birthday cake for Megan. Gets placed down in front of Megan, played by Nicole Eggert, who is upset that her mom isn't home yet. Her dad says, you know your mother, and tells her to blow out the candles. We then cut to Megan's mom as she drives in her car speedily with a wrap present on the passenger seat. We then come back to the house and we see a brand new Porsche with a ridiculous ribbon on it in the driveway, which that was the first time I laughed when they cut <laughs> smash cut to that <laughs> stupid fucking ribbon. It's so obnoxious. <laughs> uh, and then Megan blows out the candles. And at that exact moment, a car bomb explodes in Megan's mom's car. And rather than explode off the hop, the car catches fire and it goes careening into a local gas station and then it explodes. Now, for all the bombs in this movie, they're never really complete, right? They never they no. never do the job, right? They just kind of give off a mini explosion. Yeah, because it's a good thing that her dad was driving around off oh, close to a cliff or else he would have just walked away from it, right? He would have just had minor scrapes and bruises. Mm-hmm. And Rich immediately uh, th throws her under the bus before he falls. Now, like, what are the odds that she's driving right by a gas? Like, it's like a hillbilly gas station, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah, straight was... out of Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Yeah, that was when I laughed out loud. <laughs> <laughs> like that again. I mentioned at the beginning. If you're the director and you see that cut, like, okay, <laughs> I I failed. <laughs> I gave it a yeah. shot, and this is terrible. Yeah, and then then the next scene that comes up right after that um, is when I when I first watched this movie was like, all right, this is going to be kind of weird because I believe the next shot is and is Corey Haim on a horse. Yep. So we cut to one year later, and Rich, <laughs> played by Corey Haim, is on horseback riding around the grounds of a ski resort with no snow as it is the last day of ski season because they got this location cheap to shoot from the off season, basically. I'm assuming it's probably what yeah. I, you just see little bits of snow on the ground. Yeah. I, yeah. Maybe they, maybe he wanted it to be in a, a fully functioning ski lodge, but they couldn't afford it. And like, Oh, you know, it, ski season's done. So we'll just wrap it up that way. Yeah. It's 80% uh, off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, he's probably maybe he's the caretaker. Maybe it's like The Shining. Or <laughs> a writer. He's like, I'm just gonna shoot a movie with the Corys. And and now that we think about it, we don't see any adults at that 
ski lodge. It's the Corys. Do they run the ski lodge? You you rarely see anybody. This yeah. it's such a small cast. Obviously, it's a low budget movie, so they're not paying extras. But yeah, it's just the Corys and Kathleen Robertson just walking around a, a an empty ski resort. Maybe they're ghosts and they're, they're just stuck in the ski lodge. Maybe. That'd be a nice <laughs> twist. That'd be a great twist. That would be a twist was that uh, Nicole Eggert had killed all three of them previously after yes. she killed her mom. It's like, yes. I killed you. I killed you a year ago. <laughs> but does she... The problem is she... So she sleeps with both Corys, right? Yeah. Does she, well, she sleep with... Them to death. But she, then what about Darla? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the one thing missing from this movie is, is a lesbian sex scene. And surprisingly, right? Yeah. Uh, I would have bet money that that was coming at one point or not. Bet money, paid money, what's the difference? That's true, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that would have added a little something to the, the movie. My, at least to my enjoyment. Of- Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions. Same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yeah, of course. So he radios his brother Wes, played by Corey Feldman, who is shooting, shooing the advances of a vacationing skier as Rich hassles him over the radio, telling him to try to get some, some work done today. Rich travels the grounds on horseback to ensure the lift is closed up. Comes across a horse farm as Megan is lunging a horse. Rich stares at her, mouth agape, and she stares back at the creepy kid staring at her. The horse starts to freak out, rearing its hind legs, sending Megan to the ground, losing a handle on the lunge line. I, I almost believe that the cut to the horse is stock footage. I don't know. Because it's way too slow motion and dramatic to be in this movie. Uh, it's probably slow motion and dramatic because the horse was like very well trained. So they couldn't get it to really look aggressive. <laughs> we'll just slow it down. It'll look really dramatic that way. I don't feel like she was ever in danger, really. No. I mean, they probably didn't have a stunt. They probably couldn't pay for a stunt double to get close enough for it to be, you know in danger so it's she's like oh he's like 15 feet away from that horse yeah so rich hops the fence and grabs the rope for megan until the horse trainers can come by and take it from him he then offers her offers to give her a ride on horseback back to the ski resort we get back to the resort and he ties up the horse then megan then invites rich to a party writing the address on his hand in sharpie and then walks off that night rich goes to a bar and meets up with darla kathleen robertson who asks if she's going to see him tonight he blows her off, says he's going out with the guys, and then she says, what the fuck, dude, basically? And then he says, okay, I'll try. So he meets up with his brother, Wes. Okay. I wish we would have had a little bit something more connecting uh, Corey and Darla, uh, I get Rich and Darla, because I, I would have liked to have known that he was, I guess, romantically involved with her at some point, 
but they just kind of throw it at you, right? This is the first time we're seeing Darlin. Like, oh, okay, I guess they, they're dating or something, or they have feelings for each other. We didn't know that immediately. Right. The only thing that I don't really it, care. The only thing that informs it is that we just watched Staying Alive. And it's the, basically the same <laughs> dynamic that uh, those two had in that movie. Just not as much dancing. Less dancing in this movie. Less dancing, yep. <laughs> he meets up with his brother Wes and a couple of other guys. He says that the bar is kind of lame and says they should go to the, this party. And it turns out the other guys also got invites to the party via Sharpie on the hands. And apparently it's being held at the owner of the ski lodge's house. And his daughter is supposed to be beautiful. So they go to the house and it's a Hawaiian theme party because there are girls giving each guest a lay when they walk in. Then a bouncer is checking invites at the door. Apparently one of Rich's friends got his invite written on his dick, which is weird. And Rich grabs a drink and then immediately makes a lap looking for Megan. As his brother cuts some moves on the dance floor and it is Feldman totally doing Michael Jackson moves, which is uncomfortable. Yeah, just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Rich then spots Megan on the second floor and follows her up a few flights of stairs until he spots her talking to some shady older guy. She's wearing maybe a bikini, but it looks a lot like underwear. She leads him into the bedroom saying she hasn't properly thanked him for saving her that day. And then they fuck. With the door open. Door open. Which goes on for several minutes. <laughs> My favorite part, and uh, uh, I, I'm sure Ant noticed this as well, is that um, Corey Haim begins to shut the door and probably realized that there was not enough light in the room that if he shut that door, they'd, be, they'd have to re- reset up the scene. Because it's a realization. He starts to shut it like a normal person. He goes, oh, wait, no. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Just it in case weird. Corey Feldman wants to join, I guess. <laughs> leave room for the boys uh and also Corey Haim is not a very generous lover it seems like he's he's only down there for a few moments and then uh it's time to get to the deed yeah apparently we may have gotten it yeah i think there's a um there's an unrated and r-rated cut and apparently the unrated cut has a longer uh that is a little longer this wasn't the r-rated cut i'm not sure which version we watched i'm not sure because yeah because I can't imagine the sex scenes that we saw w- were cut. I feel I feel like these were pretty unedited. <laughs> right. I mean, you see, and like at the end, you see, you know, blood and all that. So yeah, I'm, I'm just going. It was on the IMDb trivia. Yeah, yeah was basically I, that. I read that too. Um, it say it says that basically the sex scenes are longer, and I can't imagine them being longer than what we saw. So I'm assuming this is the unedited version, the unrated yeah. version. So he even looks less generous in the R-rated version. Yeah, he doesn't even go down. (laughs) No, Uh, there is an attempt, though. You know, you never, rarely do you see cunnilingus happen in a movie. So I guess good for Corey. Yeah, and he is a a punk ass, snot nosed kid. You would think that he wouldn't. So Batman doesn't. So cover that a couple podcasts (laughs) ago. (laughs) If, If a hero doesn't, then what? What hope does a kid have, really? Yeah. Post-coital, Megan asks Rich what the worst day of his life was, and Rich says that's kind of morbid after having great sex. And she says it was good, not great, so hold your fucking horses there, bud. <laughs> I thought the same thing, though. Like, man, that's awfully pre- presumptuous of uh, yeah. Corey. Like, I'm glad it was great for you, but, you know, right. two to tango. 
And then Rich tells her the worst day of his life is the day his dog died. She laughs at him, which should be a red flag. And he tells her the story of his dog dying, saying his brother Wes kicked him to death after he got the shit beat out of him by their dad. Then Megan tells him that her mom died last year on her birthday, and her dad says she was drunk and veered off the road. At that point, it kind of felt like she was trying to one-up him, you know? (laughs) Because she knows she has that ace in the hole. So it could have been anything short of his mother dying, right? Yeah. Oh, you know, I, you know, I, I, I lost the big high school game. Uh, I gave up the, I gave up the game winning home run. Yeah. Well, my mom fucking died. (laughs) Suck on that. It's like, like, I can't beat that. (laughs) So you probably should have went first. Right. And then also again, just, uh, fellas or, or ladies, you know, after, you know, just take this, uh, you know, as some free advice from your friends that they called this a movie. Uh, if you have intercourse with your partner or someone and they immediately talk about your worst day, uh, it's time to run. It's time to leave that relationship. Just like, oh, you know, my Uber's here. I got to go and just bounce because that is a whole level of crazy you don't want to get involved with. Mm-hmm. The next morning they sleep in and her dad comes home, which is also presumptuous that he stayed the night. There's a party downstairs. He could have just left with his buds. Um, and they're both butt naked. <laughs> Yeah. They scramble to get dressed. She tells him she's 17 and he didn't ask until after he fucked her. Dead to rights on that one. <laughs> yeah. He, like, unfortunately, she kind of got you there, but that's that's on you to ask, yeah. not on her. It's so it's so casual about the fact that she's not of age in this movie. I know. And that's what, like, like really creeped me out. Because it, it really doesn't play anything into the, the plot. She can just as easily be 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have done nothing, right? It's like I'm home from co- I, I'm home for my first semester of college. It's easy, easy peasy. We all feel better about ourselves. <laughs> just watching this, she looks young, but obviously she's twenty. And just watching this actress pretend to be seventeen, just getting railed like <laughs> thirty-five to forty percent of this movie's runtime. There was a point where I I was going, I was looking through to see. The distance between, like, what the longest distance between her nudity scenes was, and there was a point where, like, the the, the longest amount of time was about like ten minutes. Eventually, it got longer. Like, I think there was a point where it was like twenty five, thirty minutes. But oh, because yeah. that silly plot has to get in the way, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah. we have to tell a story at one point. Yeah, after her dad dies, there's like a there's a lull where she doesn't get naked. The, the, the director couldn't figure out a good way to do it. Well, he, he tried in the in, in the precinct, right? Right. It's like this is this is too out there. That's that's not going to work. Really? What if one of the like the Corys just had to pull him back? We can't realistically do this, can we? <laughs> we have to hold some semblance of reality here. Yeah. It was so. It's not in my notes, but it's so. She's she's naked so often in this movie. There's one scene that she wears a sweater. It's so jarring. (laughs) You're not expecting it. Yeah, it's like what? What is this? She's too covered up. Yeah. All the other there's like there's several scenes too where she's like she wears like a blouse and it's unbuttoned like to the point where you see her bra. But it's like man, she's not naked in this one, but she you know she's halfway there. Like, and then there's just one scene in the middle when she's talking to the cops, like, sweater. Like, the, the, her grandmother knitted for her. Just there. <laughs> that, was the, that was the M. Night Shyamalan twist of this movie. Right. 
she's covered up. Didn't see that coming. Yeah. Uh, so she tells him to go hide and she'll get rid of her dad. So he goes to hide in the bedroom closet. Dad comes home and heads straight to the bedroom saying he hasn't slept. Doesn't even seem to mind that the whole house is a disaster area because of the party. He gets to his room and calls her in asking why his bed is unmade. She says she slept in it because her friend slept in her bed. Then her dad goes into her room and sees her bed made. So then he starts searching everywhere for a boy. Checks all the closets, even the closet we saw Rich go into. But when he opens it, Rich isn't there. Her dad then goes to the balcony and tells her he would have killed him, whoever he was. And then we see Rich hanging off the side of the balcony by his fingertips, even though he didn't move the flower boxes, which would have made it impossible to do so. Total normal normal reaction from a father. (laughs) I'm going to murder somebody. It, It didn't seem like hyperbole, right? Like, right. oh, I'm going to kill that kid. Like, no, I, I would have murdered him. <laughs> her dad then oh, says, normal. yeah, her dad then says, what am I going to do with you? And then grabs the lapel of her pajamas like there's something else going on, but the new movie never goes in that direction. She pushes him away from, she pushes away from him and tells him to leave her alone. Rich, meanwhile, jumps down off the balcony. Megan gets into her Porsche to go for a drive and Rich pops up from the passenger seat. And they go for a drive. She has Didn't it seem like... I'm sorry to interrupt. Didn't it seem like that jump was kind of far? Yes. It was right? at least... Uh, it was like a, a story and a half, basically. You, yeah. That was a far far drop. It was it was possibly ankle shattering. <laughs> Ow, my leg. I would love to have heard that. <laughs> Help. <laughs> she asks him if he's ever thought about killing anyone. He says yes, his dad... And she looks at him almost with disdain because he never killed his dad. Uh, back at the ski lot, he tries to apologize to Darla, but she tells him to fuck off. And then he plays racquetball with Wes, which is like the go-to erotic thriller sport. It's like, <laughs> I've never I've never met anybody that ever plays racquetball, but in these movies, sure enough, they always play racquetball. They play racquetball in uh, American Psycho, right? I think so. And like, yeah. I, I think maybe Crimes and Misdemeanors, uh, one of Woody Allen movies, Woody Allen's movies. West reminds him they might have also played it in Basic Instinct. Maybe it's a, it's like a rich person sport, I guess, because it's a, you you had played at health clubs. I don't know. Right. Yeah. So I guess they're rich. I, I don't. Know. I don't know. I mean, they're not rich. They just work at the the ski lodge where rich people go. I'm assuming. Yeah. I I still hold the hold the belief that they own the ski lodge. <laughs> <laughs> so West reminds. Uh, Rich that she's 17 and tells him she's going to mess with his head. Later, Rich calls Megan but she doesn't answer. And then at the ski lodge he tries to crawl back to Darla and she's having none of it. And as he's groveling Megan shows up in her Porsche and he goes outside and they make out as Wes and Darla watch. And Wes acts real sassy towards Darla and then smokes a cigarette like an elderly divorcee. <laughs> at least yeah. like I, I was thinking as opposed to staying alive at least Rich has the the decency to just like really screw over Darla in front of Darla's face <laughs> and not how John Travolta just sneaks around Jackie's back. Like, Corey is really just up front with like, Yeah, like, all right, well, I'm not going to fuck you. So it's, it's all Megan now. Sorry, <laughs> Darla. You had your shot. And how long do you think Corey practiced trying to look cool smoking a cigarette? Because he does it multiple times in this movie. Yeah, I think he does it in. Does he do it in Lost Boys too? I forget. I, I I, it just it seemed natural to me because uh, I mean, kids kids were smoking younger and younger. Really? Yeah, I don't know. So it could have been. I don't know. Um, Megan then offers to take Rich on a drive. 
and she speeds like a maniac overtaking every car she finds and Rich is visibly nervous. They make it back to her place and she says her dad is not in. Or more accurately, she jokes and says she killed him. She goes into the house and Rich follows her and finds her in a room, naked, holding a large plush duck. He says, that's a nice duck. And then they fuck. Montage wow. of them. They montage of them just going to pound town several times in the bed, on the counter while trying to make breakfast, in the shower, on the stairs. Just a whole lot of fucking. Eventually, we'll <laughs> What's up? Be 17 again, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Rich wakes up in her bed one morning to find that Megan isn't at the house anymore. Rich gets dropped off by his brother at work that morning. And then at night, he calls Megan, who doesn't answer. The next day at work, Wes is trying to score with another worker at the resort. Rich bargains with Wes. Rich gives him the key to his room so Wes could score. And Wes gives Rich the keys to his Jeep so he could go drive over to Megan's. Rich gets to Megan's house, and as he gets there, her dad pulls up on his motorcycle. Rich introduces himself as Megan's friend, and her dad brings him inside. Calls down to Megan. She comes down. Her dad goes to take a shower. And her excuse for ditching him is that she's getting scared with how much she likes him. Rich stays for dinner. And Rich sticks his foot up Megan's dress during dinner. Megan says she feels warm and asks for more wine. Her dad refills her glass and then cracks a remark about her mother's ability to hold her liquor. And then Megan gets upset and her dad tells her to excuse herself. Like, Rich, Rich's legs must be like seven feet long. Yeah, that's a big table. <laughs> When she leaves, I was hoping they would do the, uh, you know, the old shtick. Oops, I dropped my fork, and then <laughs> goes under the table and you know does God knows what. Yeah. When she leaves, her dad asks if Rich is fucking his daughter, and then refills Rich's wine glass. Wine glass. Later, I can't imagine ever doing that as a dad, <laughs> right? Like, imagine talking to your your daughter's, I guess, boyfriend, asking, like, is that something you want to know as a dad? First of all, right. I, it's gonna happen you know that but do you need the 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 actual answer yeah the confirmation do you need the confirmation right let's pretend and it doesn't happen exactly you don't know you're none the wiser it hasn't happened yeah later rich tracks down megan at the horse farm and she tells him that she can't see him anymore and she storms off so rich goes to the ski lodge and mopes around uh west gets in his ear about maybe she's trying to get him to fight for her or the sex isn't great for her then he says maybe it's not true love or maybe he doesn't know when it what it is when it's staring him at the fa- in the face. And then Darla shows up and he tries to apologize to her again. She tells him that to let her know when he figures out what she wants. And then she leaves. So then Wes gives Rich the keys to his Jeep again and tells him to go after Megan. Catches up to her as she's driving her Porsche and he's in the Jeep. He tries to get he keeps trying to get her to pull over, but she's too busy driving like a maniac. She eventually makes it to a seedy biker bar and goes in. He follows close behind. She sits down next to the older guy that was there at the party in the beginning, and she gives him an envelope and say they're cool. Rich walks in and can't seem to find her for some reason, even though she's in plain sight. He gets death stares from all the other patrons. Eventually, he sees her and she sees him. Then she walks over to the jukebox and puts on a song, takes off her leather jacket and starts dancing all sexy-like right in front of Rich, but staring at the other guy the whole time. But everyone else... 17 years old. Everyone else seems to be enjoying it too. <laughs> now, the the envelope she hands to the older guy that never comes back into play, does it? I don't know. This is the guy that's sending the bombs. Oh, he's paying, he's paying this guy. To, she's paying because she sees him in the party. Yeah, this guy's a, a plays a role in this plot. He's setting the bombs. Oh, okay, so the, I did not know that. So that makes sense. And, I, might, and that's confirmed. 
Um, I don't think he sets the last one that's in the on the Porsche. I think that's uh, I think that's Wes, but he because okay. I'm I'm pretty sure he's the one that plants the bomb and in, in the motorcycle. Okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what they or he built the bomb, you know. But and she places it. Yeah, uh, interesting. I didn't know. I thought it was just a random guy that she was most likely banging. No, I mean she might be banging him. She's probably banging him. I would imagine. Yeah. Eventually, the other guy walks over to her as she dances and starts dancing with her, basically right in Rich's lap. Rich gets all hot and bothered by this scene that he pulls her away from the guy and then punches the dude in the face and has no repercussions about this. And then he goes into the bathroom. In the bathroom, Rich waits and Megan comes in and starts doing some pills. And the bathroom the bathroom graffiti announces that Beatles rule. Oh, my God. I don't think it... I, I, I'm a I'm a Beatles fan. I think I've ever mentioned the Beatles rule in the <laughs> in the bathroom of a biker bar. Just anywhere, like I've never gone up to my friends. He's like, you know who rules? The Beatles. Yeah, rock on. Uh, and Rich, uh, one of the other patrons, come tries to come into the bathroom. Where Rich ushers him out, asking for more time. All that guy wanted to do was take a piss. <laughs> She says she says the whole stunt was that she just wanted him to love her, but she didn't think he would. He just says, I wish you would just try talking to me. She apologizes and they hug and the guy comes back in demanding to use the bathroom or else he's going to explode. (laughs) Cut away from the scene. I I think that guy actually had to use the bathroom. (laughs) He was a crew person, not (laughs) owned. Of all the times to just cut that in cinema history. Mm-hmm. That is the number one scene where that it should have ended before then. <laughs> Rich and Megan then go to the bar and meet up with Rich's friends and Wes. Rich leaves Megan with Wes as he goes to get another chair and he runs into Darla, who says, I guess you figured out what you want. So Wes and Megan talk while Richard's gone. Wes still smoking like an old say. Eventually he <laughs> says enough to annoy Megan and she says she wants to leave. So Rich and Megan go off and they wind up building a fire in the woods somewhere. Megan says that Wes made a pass at her, running his hand up her leg. Rich says he'll kill him, and Megan says, you'd really do that for me? So then they go back to her house, and then they fuck again. In the morning, so Rich... This was, this, this, uh, just, uh, behind the scenes of, of me watching this movie, I rewound right around this scene at least twice, trying to figure out why what happens next happens, um, after the, after the fucking, and I, I guess I didn't go back far enough. To realize why uh, Rich does what he does, I literally I rewound it like four or five times, going, "What? Accuse mm-hmm. him? You know gotcha. of that?" But thank you for letting me know. You're welcome. I thought you were just saying that you rewound the sex scene a couple of times. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, it was literally it was literally the the punch scene that's coming up next. Yeah. I was like, "Wait, what did I miss?" In the morning, Rich goes to leave, but her dad walks in the front door and catches them. So Rich leaves. Uh, Megan and her dad argue, her dad telling her she's turning into the same lying whore her mother was. She tells him to go to hell and he throws his coffee cup against the floor and marches off. Rich heads back to the resort and goes to his room and finds Wes in bed with Darla. So Rich storms off. Wes goes to talk to him and then Rich starts yelling at him for touching Megan. And they get into a fight, trading punches. Eventually Darla comes in and breaks up the fight, telling Rich that he doesn't owe her, he doesn't own her. And Rich calls her a slut and walks away. Rich then finds Wes and apologizes as Wes is hammering in some signs. And this is obviously the first time Corey Feldman has ever lifted a hammer in his entire life. Wes <laughs> tells Rich that he never laid a hand on Megan. And Rich blames Megan's dad. 
So Rich goes to see Megan at night with her, when her dad isn't home, and he finds her crying in her bedroom, her face bruised. Tells Rich that her dad knew he stayed there, there that night and her car got stolen, and that she hates her dad so much that she wants to kill him and that Rich should kill him. I don't really understand why the the car was quote-unquote stolen when we get all the way to the end. Yeah, well, I thought it was the gift, was it not? It was the gift in the beginning of the movie, but I don't know, I don't know why... I don't know how that plays into this plan. Exactly. Right. Well, it, this this was the end of shooting and they the rental ran out on the Porsche. So they couldn't have it in the scenes they shot going forward. So this was the excuse they made. It, they actually stole the car. It's an actual stolen car. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Uh while that that could be the reason, I don't <laughs> I don't see how it ever would play in because we do see the car later. Yeah, but the they could have shot that scene first. Right, but at the same time, there's no scene where it's like, well, why doesn't she have the Porsche right now? There's n- there's not a oh, single scene. What you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> there's never a scene where it's like, hmm, shouldn't this be the where is the Porsche? Um, right. Well, your what your is entirely possible, but they didn't need to explain it. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Wes and Darla are back in the room making out. Darla stops him and says that she can't keep going on with Wes until she tells Rich how she feels about him. And he tells her that there's nothing she could do or say to Rich to ever make him love her. And then undresses her while he, he says it, which is really uncomfortable. I think that after a while, the sex scenes become... like You, you kind of get desensitized to the sex scenes. Like it, it becomes less and less interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, oh, they're doing it again? Jeez. I get yeah. it. They, they, that's, her, that's her shtick, I guess. But <laughs> it's, it's not as taboo at that point. Yeah. It, it just becomes run-of-the-mill sex and you're like yeah never want to feel that way (laughs) the next day rich is riding around the grounds on horseback and comes across a loose horse as he tries to secure it he stumbles and comes across darla's body he calls the cops and they bag her up wes is taking it really hard saying that he should have been there when it happened and wes says that darla says that she was using him to get to rich a detective comes up and tells them that it must have been an accident the strap from the saddle broke and she was thrown and then Rich goes to the hospital and meets up with Mr. Bauer in the waiting room. And he tells Rich that Megan tried to kill herself by taking a whole bunch of pills. Which we never see anything like that. Except we we see her look at the pills. But it is weird that we only know about it once he gets to the hospital. He goes in and sees Megan. And he tells her that everything is going to be okay. She says that she needed him and he walked out on her. And then her dad killed her mom because she was going to leave him. And she gets discharged from the hospital. And her dad says the doctor suggests they spend more quality time together. But Megan says she wants Rich to spend time with them, too. So they go back to the house. That night, Megan and Rich fuck again. Megan is loud, despite Rich trying to keep her quiet because her dad might hear. And in the middle of the night, she whispers to Rich, telling him that there's a bomb in her dad's bike and it'll all be over in the morning. So Rich goes weird to- bed talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost uh, like she was trying to just do a subliminal message, like thinking he's still asleep. Wait, um, I think that would have been better. If he if if Rich is asleep and she just whispers it, it'll all be over soon. He doesn't know if he heard it or not, but he's clearly awake and <laughs> he really heard it because of the next scene he's checking out the bike. Yeah. So Rich goes to the garage to investigate, and sure enough, there's a bomb in the gas tank. Before he could do anything, her dad catches him in the garage, his gun pointed at him because he thought Rich was an intruder, and they go back to bed. In the morning, Megan's dad wakes up, <laughs> wakes Rich up, and tells him he wants him to go on a motorcycle ride together. They go off riding, Megan's dad goading Rich on to go faster to keep up. All the while, he is riding super close to the edge of the cliff. Rich tries to get him to stay away from the edge, but then the bike explodes, sending him over the edge. 
Rich goes to the edge to look over, and her dad grabs him to hold on to him. He begs Rich to help him. Rich says that Megan did this because she thinks he killed her mother. And her dad says if he's going to fall, he's going to take Rich with him. But then his grip fall fails, and he falls to his death as Rich looks on. So then the detective shows up at Megan's house. Corey Haim decided to wear the most distracting Toronto Blue Jays hat ever, and the detective starts asking questions. He's asking about if her dad was any good with bikes, if he ever looked at any instruction manuals. She says that he knew what he was doing, so the detective says it must not have been an accident then. He finishes his questioning, says to call him if anyone else comes up, if anything else comes up and he leaves. Rich and Megan start arguing. Megan says she's pretty sure they got away with it, but he's worried about them figuring out if it, if it wasn't an election electrical problem but she convinces him to stay with her they go to the funeral and come back to megan's house he says that he doesn't feel anything right now and she says he's just numb he'll get over it and then they fuck that night and she has a post-coital cigarette and the next morning the cops show up and arrest rich they interrogate rich they say they found a yeah, that, go ahead. That, i was gonna say that that has to be a giant red flag moment if he didn't already have them is when the chills moment you know or the feelings mm-hmm. moments like you know yeah she goes oh it'll get over it don't worry about it like yeah i'd be like wait how do you know right right he, he that's exactly what he says how would you know there's so many so many red flags <laughs> like the ground is littered with these flags <laughs> they interrogate rich they said they found a piece of the jacket rich was wearing in mr bauer's hand and he says they found rich's and they say he they found rich's fingerprints on mr bauer's tools the detective tries to get to Rich, asking for Megan's number, suggesting that maybe Megan will fuck him for a lighter sentence. And he also asks him about his whereabouts during Darla's death as they just open the investigation. Wes visits Rich in prison. Wes acts like he thinks Rich killed Mr. Bauer and then asks if he had it in, if he had it in him to kill someone. Why didn't he ever kill their dad when he was giving Wes a beating? And he smashes the phone and walks out. Detective comes and visits Wes in his cell and tells him that he has a visitor. Megan shows up and says, I want you inside me right now. And Rich <laughs> says no. And the cops want him to turn her in. And 100% in real life, this room has to be bugged. Anyway, it's not. But they say plenty of incriminating shit. And Megan bails him out. Megan said I, like that, I would have. I, I definitely would have sold her up the river. Yeah, absolutely. Right? At this point, yeah, you got to. Yeah. Uh, Megan says the plan going forward is they're going to run away and he's going to go first and she'll meet him there. And she has a surprise for him. Apparently the cops found her Porsche and she gives him the keys and tells him to meet her back in the house. As he gets in, he gets suspicious, starts checking the car for any explosives. It's in the front of the police station, so it looks suspicious and gets the attention of a police officer, which makes Rich nervous and drives off. Rich goes to the lodge and finds Wes. Wes is getting ready to leave town as there's no work left at the lodge. He tells Rich that he wants to make something of himself and not be a fuck-up like Rich is. And then Rich leaves. At night, Rich drives around with a Porsche recklessly as he can't shake the visions of Mr. Bauer falling off the cliff. It distracts him enough that he spins the car out and gets stuck. He then gets out and tries to get the car out of the mud, but when he looks under the car, he sees a bomb, which is about five seconds left. He runs and gets Long, away from the car. The longest five seconds in cinema history. <laughs> <laughs> He runs and gets away from the car just as it explodes and it blows up. Meanwhile, Megan goes home. She walks into the bedroom and then is attacked by Wes, who has a gun and says that his brother is dead. And he then orders her to take her clothes off. Then she tells him to take them off for her and then they fuck. That's off screen. Post-coital, they have a victory smoke and they say they can't believe they got away with it. So basically, this whole thing was a setup to frame Rich for the murder of her father while Wes and Morgan got away with the mo- Megan got away with the money. And then they fuck again, and we are forced to see Corey Feldman's sex face. 
And Rich shows up again and says he figured it all out. Wes takes the gun and goes to shoot Rich, but then Megan shoots Wes. She says Wes was beating her and he was the one that made her do everything and that Wes killed Darla. Rich isn't convinced, so Megan takes her gun and Wes's gun and starts shooting at Rich. Guns akimbo. He goes diving out of the way. <laughs> and then several cops come storming in and starts lighting the place up. The detective gets he has winged. terrible aim. <laughs> the detective gets winged and then the cops unload on Megan, blasting her out the window with a shotgun. <laughs> but also, when, when Rich says she, that he figured it out, I feel like he didn't like figure it out more so than he just stumbled upon it. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, there's no reason. There's no reason why he would have suspected Wes until he walked no. in and saw them fucking. Maybe just so he felt better about himself being <laughs> yeah. a dumbass. One hundred percent. Yeah, 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 and you would say she got blown away in this scene. Yep, one hundred percent. Yep, there you go, Mark. Uh, I wish someone would have said that. <laughs> it looks like she just got blown away and then freeze frame and then the title just <laughs> right. the, mo- the most the most depressing freeze frame ever <laughs> just her dead body on, <laughs> on the driveway um, rich, take, rich takes off a wire that he was wearing and gives it back to the detective as if the detective was the bad guy in all of this wait a minute <laughs> he's like here's your fucking wire when did he have time to get the wire put on I think it was probably between the car blowing up and this scene. He probably okay. goes to the cops after the car blows up. Uh, okay, I was going to say, was it when the cops stopped him after he was looking under the hood? No. That that wouldn't have made sense. No. The, the car blows up and he's got this look on his face like, oh, now, now, finally, I'm not going to get... Uh, uh, I don't know. What would you call it? It's not, it's Hood- not even pussy whipped. Hoodwinked. Not... He was hoodwinked. <sighs> Yeah, I but don't know. What if he just decides, like, you know what, no more. Actually, I'm going to try to do it one more time. <laughs> yeah, it's like, maybe she'll fuck me one more time. Yeah. He probably could have in this movie. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, if he if she was like, after she shoots Wes, he probably could have fucked her again. On top of Wes's body. <laughs> uh, and then Rich stands by a cruiser and cries as we fade out. And that's the end of the movie. What a wild piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah this was un- this was unfortunate <laughs> i mean we we saw a lot of nudity which i guess is that's something right i think because normally you could just say like all right it had nudity i'll give it a pass it had nudity but it was like sad nudity sure you know, it was just like the, the soundtrack that accompanied this the nudity was just really depressing and it, it didn't make me feel happy that I was watching nudity. And also, she was 17. I can't... Sure. I'm sorry, I just... I, I can't find that cool. <laughs> yeah, that does put a damper on everything. Really did. And, you know, and, but I'm glad that it did, because it means I have morals. I'm a good person. There you go. Uh, I got nothing else. You guys want to plug your shit? Yeah. yeah but Mark, did you have anything? No, no, that's about it. Okay. Yeah, uh, man, what a bummer. Uh, Duquino122, that's my uh, my Twitter. And we also have a Real Play D&D podcast uh, called Stranger Damies. And you can follow us on Twitter, at Stranger Damies. So we give you updates on the, uh, the schedule, like when we're streaming or when we're, you know, new episodes are coming out, all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, come follow us there, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have a good time together. 
Yeah, and as Dan mentioned, our D&D podcast, The Stranger Davies, airs every other Wednesday. Um, so be sure to check that out. Um, and then the Game Vault podcast, which is our video game um, show, airs every other Monday. Um, and be sure to follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Pod and Game Vault Pod on all socials. Um, we stream um, definitely three nights a week. Um, Monday is a Tom's Retro Streams where he plays either a retro roulette game or he's going to be playing an old RPG. Um, and on Wednesdays is our multiplayer night. Currently, right now, we're playing Halo. Um, and then Thursdays is our co-op nights. Um, right now, me and Jen are currently playing through It Takes Two. Um, so if you're listening to this when this episode airs, be sure to come in and check us out. Um, then, And then we have plans for the summer, uh, I mean, plans for post-summer for weekend streams. Um, right now, with everything, well... You know, a monkey wrench is getting thrown into it, but, you know, with everything seemingly opened up where we can actually do stuff with other people, um, d- having weekend streams kind of is, is a little bit, um, you know, uh, not as feasible as we thought. So so just keep an eye out for that, and we'll probably just have fall and winter shows um, on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, once again, twitch.tv slash game. Okay, great. And we are They Called This Movie. You can find us at Spreaker just by searching They Called This Movie. We're the mainDamien.com. That's our main website. You can find us at the mainDamien.com or on all socials just by searching the main Damien. So that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search the main Damien and we'll pop right up. We are also available on all podcast streaming apps just by searching They Called This Movie. Uh, we are part of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com and on all podcast and, sh- and social apps. Just by searching Geek Nation, tons of great shows. If you're into geek stuff, there's surely a show for you. We're on TikTok. You can find us at They Called Some Movie on TikTok. If you have uh, questions, comments, you want to suggest a movie to us, you can hit us up at the main name at gmail.com. And that's about it. The director of Blown Away was Brenton Spencer. So for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Davecchio telling Brenton Spencer, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live 
bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 